Well, the title of today's study is Faith, Worship, and Victory, all three of which we're going to see here in this passage. If you're not familiar with this passage, this is where the armies and the multitudes come against Jehoshaphat and Judah, and they call upon the Lord, and he gives such a great victory. And um, it's so good to read of the victory of the Lord throughout the scriptures. And ultimately, we know as, as those believers in, in this church age that the, the Lord Jesus has come and has brought victory over sin and death. That is the ultimate victory that we have in him that we can rejoice in together that we've been singing about. And uh, it's good to see also throughout the whole of scripture different ways in which God brings about victory through just the worship and the faith of people who have been a good example to us. So let's read there in the first few verses of chapter 20 of Second Chronicles. We'll read just a couple of verses here. And it says, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. Now, a few of the things that have happened just prior to this, um, Jehoshaphat, he has recently, uh, previously aligned himself with King Ahab of Israel. Obviously, not a wise choice for him. And the Lord didn't, didn't really approve of that. But since then, he has returned. Um, he was actually almost narrowly uh, killed in uh, that battle where he aligned himself. But he has since returned to a place where he wants to seek the Lord and follow his ways. And we find ourselves now here, the people that he's leading, the southern kingdom of Judah, under apparent attack as these forces come against. The word used there is the multitudes. Judah being threatened by the people of Moab and Ammon and others around them. And, and this is kind of setting the stage for what is to come because here we have Judah outnumbered by the masses of people that had gathered around them and unlikely to win in this military endeavor that they might soon be engaged in. And so as a picture of this for our lives as well, I'm sure that we have found ourselves in situations that make us desperate before the Lord. Where it might not be a physical multitude that appears before us, but a spiritual multitude. Or a multitude of circumstances that come against us in our life where we'll see here in just a minute. They didn't know what to do. They were in a place where they could only turn to the Lord to find deliverance. And maybe you're in a place tonight where you find yourself with the multitude surrounding you there in the valleys about to come up and make war against you. But I love the encouragement that we find from the scripture in that when we seek the Lord by faith and we worship him for who he is and what he has done, that's where the victory comes and the Lord fights our battles. Let's continue reading there in verses 3 through 13. We're going to see that in the day of trouble, Jehoshaphat, he seeks the Lord. We're going to read verses 3 through 13. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. I would guess so. That would, that's an appropriate response, right? That fear coming into your heart. Let's seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O oh Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God? who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in the temple. 
and cry out to you in our affliction. And you will hear and save. And now there, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. What a, an amazing picture of what Jehoshaphat, the people of Judah, did in their, in their day of trouble. They recognized that in and of themselves, they were unable to bring about a conclusion in their favor with their own might and their own ability. And they called upon the name of the Lord to deliver them. So the response to this desperate situation was, number one, to fear God. Now I know it says there in verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared. And certainly there's an element there. There's, there's the multitude. They clearly outnumber you. They're clearly more powerful than you are. It's a fearful situation, not something that you can resolve on your own. But it also speaks, the next part of that sentence says, feared and set himself to seek the Lord. So while certainly there was this momentary thought of, I, I don't know what's going to happen. What on earth is there going to, what's going to come of this? He immediately knew where he could go for the answer and for the resolution. He set himself to fear God. This is the sense that we see here in this passage. His fear, yeah, for a moment was there in the moment, there of the, the circumstances, but his fear ultimately was that of the Lord. And this fear brought him to a place where he set himself before the Lord and brought the people of Judah along with him to seek the Lord. Verse 4, Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. This word for seek, it's really a, a key word in, in the history of Jehoshaphat's reign. I'll, I'll read to you from a commentator. It says, this is a key word where it has the basic sense of worship, which is no question. We see what's going to go on here down the line. The Lord is going to deliver them as the people go out to worship. But it also means to discover God's will. It shows that Jehoshaphat has a higher trust in God than in his military resources, which couldn't always be said of all of the kings of Israel or Judah. He, he knew that the Lord was the one who was going to solve this, and so he sought the Lord, even though they didn't know what was going to happen. He purposed in his heart to look for the Lord and to seek him help. Doesn't it remind you of the promise in Jeremiah 29, 13, that says, and, and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. What a promise we have from the Lord. When we find ourselves in these situations just like Judah and Jehoshaphat, when, when we come to the Lord in faith and seek him and really seek him with all that we have, and in many cases because we have nowhere else to turn, it's in those moments where we find the Lord and he comes to us. And isn't it this faith to seek the Lord that pleases him? We read about this in Hebrews. When we find ourselves in these situations, we come to the Lord in faith and we believe that he is, that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Maybe you find yourself in a similar place. Fear God more than you fear your circumstances. Because though your circumstances might not change and deliverance might not look exactly like it does here in this passage, the Lord delivers in so many different ways than out of situations. Your deliverance and your favor and your success and victory in these situations is by seeking and fearing the Lord. So they gathered together, they asked to help from the Lord and he called a fast. And I know we're familiar with uh, many of us, what fasts are and, you know, where people will deny their, their physical body for a period of time um, in order to really just call upon the Lord. It's, it's really just a statement, not less to other people, but more between you and the Lord that, 
Lord, there's nothing, I, I need you more than even my daily sustenance in this situation. And, you know, there's different ways that we can fast. It's a spiritual way to express our heart and our need for the Lord more than we physically need food. And how hard is this? I mean, I, I know I've fasted before and it's difficult sometimes, right, to deny this flesh that's so needy on a day in and a day out basis. Um, how often do we get hungry and want more food? Well, for me, it's at least three times a day and frequently more than five, okay? So this, this is, right, you see how needy our bodies are. And, and how much more than that other things. And, you know, fasts are things that we can do regularly, once a week, certain times in a year. Fasts that we see throughout scripture called in critical times of need. But we are encouraged even by the Lord to, to fast, right? And, and even some of the missionary ventures that the disciples went out on. The Lord said, you weren't successful because Prayer and fasting are required, right, for the, the demons that weren't able to be cast out, right? These only come out by prayer and fasting. There are certain situations in our life where we find ourselves really just needing to press into the Lord. And it might be an appropriate time for us to call a fast. There's nowhere else we can go and we just declare our complete dependence upon the Lord. Um, and it's not because, you know... We're more spiritual or blessed than other people when we do this, but it's really to align our hearts with the Lord in those situations. Uh, one, one writer says, prayer and fasting draw us closer to the heart of God, and they put us more in line with his power. Fasting is a powerful expression of our total dependence upon him. Really an outworking of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, where it's recounting the, the wilderness wanderings, Right? And, and that provision that came from the Lord day in and day out for the children of Israel, it was to demonstrate that their reliance was not upon what they could gather for themselves and provide for for themselves, but as it says, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And so when we deny our flesh, and we completely set ourselves before the Lord, it's a physical demonstration of our spiritual conviction that the Lord is all that we need. And sometimes it's appropriate for us to do that. And so maybe, maybe you, you find yourself in a place where you, the Lord might be stirring you to fast for something. It doesn't make you more spiritual. It doesn't make you better than the other person. We see lots of lessons in the New Testament that Jesus corrects people who have that wrong attitude. But it's in that secret place where you and your Lord are, are um, communing over your need for him. And so if you don't fast or haven't, consider it. You know, fast and pray to the Lord. Be led by him in how you do it, when you do it. So Jehoshaphat, he recognized that he and the rest of Judah completely unable to manage victory in a battle without the intervention of God. And it's important to note, verses 6 through 12, that as Jehoshaphat is calling upon the name of the Lord, he's recognizing the character of God and the past battles that God has won. You know, the people of Judah and Israel, they've had a history of going astray and seeking help and pleasure and prosperity from false gods, refusing to turn to the Lord and forgetting the marvelous works that he had done in their midst. Isn't that why so often we read about through the Old Testament, the Lord says, don't you remember when I delivered you from Egypt? Don't you remember how I brought you through the Red Sea? Don't you remember how I provided you for you in the wilderness years? But the temptation for them, and quite frankly for us sometimes, is just to turn to other things and not really call upon the character of the Lord and remember the past battles that the Lord has won. But we don't see this from them in this moment. He calls upon the Lord. He says, you're the one who drove out the inhabitants. You're the one who rules over everything. You're in charge. You're in charge of all the kingdoms and the nations. You're the one who can do something about this. He says, we turn to you. And what a great place to be, to remember the, the Lord in the day of trouble. And I encourage you, whether you're in that day of trouble right now, that day comes for you tomorrow, 
or three years down the road, remember to call upon the name of the Lord in your day of trouble. Remember to call upon him and come to your aid. He is God in heaven, ruler of all nations. He is the one who has all power and authority, and none can stand against him. He is the Lord who has brought victory to his people through the ages, and much less the victory that we have in Jesus, the salvation of our souls, and that he is with us day in and day out, no matter what we endure. He's with us, and we can call upon him in our day of trouble. And you can almost hear the silence as the people have called out to the Lord, and they're waiting for the Lord to speak to him. And after Jehoshaphat's prayer, they just stood before the Lord. That's a good place to be, too. Just standing before the Lord reminds me of the verse Psalm 4610. I know it's a verse close to many of your hearts. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. They were waiting upon the Lord because they expected that he would come to their aid. And there are times in our lives where our backs are up against the wall. We feel cornered by the enemy. We feel cornered by temptation. And I love that phrase. Uh, you know, at the end of the prayer, it's in um, verse 12. It says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? Do you not see the, the situation we're in? We have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. You know, I like to know what I'm doing. I don't know about you, but we like to know what we're doing, don't we? And we don't really know how to handle ourselves when we don't know what to do or when we don't have an answer for something. You know, there's a certain comfort that comes in situations that we don't know how to solve and we don't know why they're going on. There's a certain comfort that when we don't know what to do, we really actually do know what to do. And that is to turn to the Lord, to seek him. And if you find yourself in that way, cornered by the enemy, by temptation, by hard life circumstances, seek the Lord. Because in those moments where you don't know what to do, you know who to turn to. Seek the Lord. Call on his name. Be still before him. You know, I'm thinking also not even of just hard life situations or hard circumstances, but perhaps maybe in a, a venture of faith for you. you. You know, are you concerned to take a step of faith into a ministry that God is calling you to because you think it's too big for you? There's that multitude that's out there that's saying, you can't do this, and I'm going to come and bring victory against you. Are there spiritual armies formed against you, waging spiritual war and discouraging you from continuing on in what God has for you? The Lord is the avenger of our enemies. And when you don't know what to do, seek the face of your God. Call upon his name. Ask him to help you. Put your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who when we come to him in our time of need, he is our help. Call upon the name of the Lord. And remember that this spiritual battle, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, it is not yours to win. It is not mine to win. It is the Lord's to win. Our part is to have faith and trust that God will come to our aid because he will. He will call upon him. And it might not look like exactly what, what we want. It might not look exactly as we draw it up in our minds. I'm certain that the the battle plan that's coming here was not the first in Jehoshaphat's mind. But you know, in a similar way, we have to trust to the Lord and, and trust in his promises that he's never going to leave us. He's going to be with us to the end of the age. And in a similar way to this coming battle that we'll read about in just a moment, our battle, it's not won by man-made devices it's not made and won by the, the, the creativity of our minds. It's not won by carnal weapons, but by the spiritual 
the spiritual weapons that we have. And we can read about those in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. The sword of the spear, the word of God, the belt of truth, and these things that we're called to take upon. So, fear God in the day of trouble. Set yourself to seek the Lord and ask help from him. Verses 14 through 19, God promises to bring a victory. We read there, verse 14, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear. Here we have this again. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord of Israel with voices loud and high. So the Lord promises to bring a great victory to the people. The battle simply was not Judah's to fight. It was not Jehoshaphat's to fight. The battle was the Lord's. And he says, I'm going to go fight for you. This is my battle. It's not yours. So the Lord spoke to the people not to be afraid of the great multitude around. And you know, as a picture to the spiritual battles that we have in our life, so often I think our first instinct can be for us to take things into our own hands when circumstances and situations come into our life and press us up against the wall. But you know, the Lord told them, don't be afraid and, and, and don't be dismayed. You know, uh, that word for dismayed, uh, some of your translations might have that translated um, discouraged. The idea is um, don't allow your heart to sink to a place of despair where you no longer believe that God can do something for you. Take hope in the Lord that he's able because it's his battle anyway. The Lord is saying directly to them twice. And right when we see things, um, you know, all the time in, in Bible school as I was going through college, the professor said, and the Bible teachers that I, you know, Troy often says, and when I hear, when you see things twice, when you see things repeated, take note. Take note. Twice. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. I think the Lord was trying to communicate something to them, right? Perhaps in a state of fear that they had. The Lord knew their heart. But you know, as we relate this to the spiritual battle that we are engaged in, because we've been called to a spiritual task by the Lord. We have been redeemed for him, or by him for good works, right? Created anew in Christ Jesus for good works. He's employed us in his service. And while, yes, this certainly applies to difficult situations that come in our life, I really want us to look at this also in the context of this spiritual battle that we find ourselves in. The walk of sanctification and seeking the Lord and desiring to be more like him each day. But then also this aspect of our life where we've been called out to be servants in his kingdom. We've been called out to be uh, witnesses of his name to the ends of the earth. Discouragement is one of the ways that the enemy easily disarms us in this spiritual battle as we serve the Lord. 
And so I want to take a moment to address this idea of discouragement. It came twice to them in a battle that they, they couldn't win for themselves, but the Lord said, I'm going to fight for you. And we've been given those promises as we go out as servants that the Lord will equip us to do the work that he calls us to, that he's going to be with us to the end of the age and give us the words to say in those moments and empower us with power from the Holy Spirit that, that gives us the ability to do what he calls us to do. It's not stuff that we can do on our own. We can't bring spiritual fruit about in this walk of life. But you know, the enemy often can disarm us with discouragement. You know, the enemy will bring in discouragement to keep us disengaged from the battle, keep us on the sidelines, thinking that we are incapable of doing what the Lord has so clearly called us to do. And let's be honest, we can't accomplish things in our own strength that will have spiritual value. We can't. But, but to allow that to drive us to a place that says, even with the equipping that God will give me, I can't do this, that we don't find that anywhere in Scripture. That's discouragement from the enemy. And you know this discouragement, it can settle in and keep us from taking steps of faith that God is calling us to make. Can you imagine if the people of Israel, and we don't have this recorded, this is just conjecture, but if they would have been fearful? We've seen some of the, the results of fear in the lives of Israel and the consequences of it. You know, discouragement can come when division is sown or when difficulties arise in ministry or in our life surrounding uh, the time where we step out into ministry. The kids get crazy. They lose their mind, you know. Uh, you, you take a step to serve the Lord in faith and it's just after every time you serve, there's just discouragement that comes. You don't see fruit immediately that comes as a result of you stepping out. Maybe you're sharing your faith and not a single person is responding to the truth that you're sharing with them. And if we're not careful and we're not guarding our hearts against these things, those seeds of discouragement are planted and if we give them room to grow, they will soon just weed out all of the promises and the instruction that we have in Scripture to trust in the Lord, to not be dismayed, to not be afraid, and to step out in faith. Discouragement. You know, we, and listen, I, I have the distinct privilege, and you know, when I, when I say this, the, the response I usually get is, Oh, the Lord bless you. You know, I have the distinct privilege of serving with the middle school ministry, you know, and are they crazy? Yeah. Am I crazy with them? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I love ministering to them though, but you know, sometimes even in, in this ministry, I can be laboring and not see immediate fruit, which sometimes can, can be frustrating. It just in the sense that, Lord, am I, am I being effective? Am I, are you really using me? But sometimes we have to understand the fruit that, that we see as we minister isn't always immediate and often will take time to develop. But we have to trust the results to the Lord. It's his battle. He's the one doing the spiritual work. We just have to be those faithful servants of the Lord going out into the fields that are ripe for harvest, being faithful to use the gifts, good stewards, like Peter says in 1 Peter, good stewards of the manifold grace of God using the gifts that he's given to us. Discouragement can shift our focus from the assignments God has given to us to our circumstances or frustrations, and these can become the chief focus you know, we can even just simply be faithful in many things and be assailed by life circumstances or fear or anxiety that can persuade us to just throw in the towel, to be done. I've tried it. It's too hard. This battle is the Lord's battle. It's not yours to fight. He is the only one who has rescued us and secured the victory and promised to provide all that we need. He is the one who will fight for us and take on the forces of evil. 
He is the one who will establish our feet more firmly in the calling that he gives us and who will equip us for every good spiritual work that he calls us to. So when that discouragement comes in, recognize it for what it is. Hear the Lord say to you, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed for I am with you. And if the Lord is with us, what else really matters? If he is for us as we sing so often, who can be against us? The Lord is with us. He's the one who has called us to engage in this spiritual battle and has said, oh, by the way, here's the gifts and the, the, the spiritual weapons and armor that you'll need in order to fight this battle. They're empowered and guaranteed by me. This is what the Lord has said, right? He's the one who will fight on our behalf. Now, do we have an element to play in this? Yeah, we've got to be faithful. We, we have to step out in faith. But that's what the Lord requires us to do. The rest is in his hands. We just need to be faithful to call upon the name of the Lord and step out in faith as God called them to do. And what did the step in, in faith look, look for them? Well, he says, you're not going to need to fight, so position yourselves and stand still and watch. Now, they still needed to position themselves, stand still, and watch, right? They, they needed to be faithful to do what God had called them to do. And we're going to see that they did. But let me ask you, what forces of Ammon and Moab, so to speak, have come against you this season of life? What insults and threats have these forces hurled your way to make you doubt the power and faithfulness of God in your life and, and get you discouraged about the work of God? Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Our part is to have faith and take the Lord at his word. And I love this because when, when the prophet Jehaziel, he spoke, he spoke these words. Um, the people were just overwhelmed with the word that came to them. Jehoshaphat, verse 18, he bowed his fate with his face to the ground. All Judah and, and the inhabitants there, they bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Uh, the, the Levites and um, the Kohathites and the Korites, they, they, they just started a worship night there before the Lord, just praising him and giving him praise. Had they seen the victory come? No, but the word of God had come to them and it was as good as done in their minds. And this is what the word of God is for us. It's as good as done. If the Lord has spoken, it's done. If we have it written here before us, it's done. He will be faithful to perform that which he has promised. And so, as you have been reading, and as you have been hearing from the Lord, even in, in your quiet times, and through the Bible studies, and as you've been seeking him in prayer, if you have heard the word of the Lord to you, position yourself. Look for the salvation of the Lord. And stand still. Stand firm in the Lord and don't be moved by circumstance or frustration or warfare. As Paul says, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That which God has called you to and equipped you to do is not in vain, no matter how you might feel about it. It's not in vain. The Lord's working through you. So be steadfast, immovable, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. I love it. They begin to worship when they hear from the Lord. They didn't see the end, but they worshiped. Well, let's read what happens. Verses 20 through 30. And the Lord brings about an incredible victory. It says, so they rose early in the morning, and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. 
Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Berirka, and for there they had blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called Valley of Berirkat until this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them, to go back to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for God gave him rest all around. So the Lord brings confusion there. The forces, they start fighting against each other. And then the forces that came in to fight against the people that the Lord had sent them, they started fighting against themselves. And not one of them was left standing. And it's pretty incredible, isn't it? Because the people of Judah, what did they do? They positioned themselves. Um, the, the Lord called them. They, they went out to go and worship. Jehoshaphat had appointed those to go out and send the worship team out front to give praise to the Lord and just stand and see the salvation that he would bring. I, I love this picture, sending the worship team out in front. I mean, that's probably not the wisest war council, right? Um, to send the... I don't, I don't know what they are called in today's military, but the band out in front. Um, not, not many military ventures that I'm aware of in history have done that. Um, but, you know, sometimes what the Lord calls us to do in our minds, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense, but he just wants us to be faithful to do what he calls us to do. And um, so they went out in front of the armies and, uh, and they were given an incredible deliverance. And did you notice the song that they sang unto the Lord? Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. It was by the Lord's mercy anyway that he was going to bring them victory. It's by God's mercy that, that we have the, the hope of eternity in Jesus. That we have victory over sin and death. It's by the mercy of God. And, and as the, the armies here were declaring the mercy of God, the, the Lord had mercy upon them. How great and merciful is our God. Of the Psalms that say he abounds in showing mercy. And I love it because the Lord, he didn't just barely win. He just completely wiped him out. And, and, and not only that, but the spoils, they were coming back for three days for the spoils. And the riches that the Lord had blessed them with because of their faithfulness. So when you don't know what to do, set yourself to seek the Lord. I want to ask you as we... I say come to a close. There's a little bit that I want to work through here, but can I ask for you in, in your situation, maybe like in those first few verses we saw, you find yourself cornered and you see the multitudes out there, whatever your situation is. And could it be that you don't know what to do? And could it be that God has taken away every opportunity for you to look for someone else to save you from your circumstances or to give you strength to endure them? so that you turn to him, so that you call upon his name. 
That's a hard place to be sometimes, but sometimes it's the best place for us. It doesn't mean that we don't ever seek counsel from other people. It doesn't mean that we don't um, uh, help people who find themselves in a difficult position. But sometimes the Lord wants us to just call upon him in a way that he only can provide, in a way that he only can bring victory. What I love about this account in Scripture is that God's prescribed path for victory for Jehoshaphat and Judah, it wasn't that they sharpened their swords. It wasn't that they get in battle formation and charge against them. It was that they have faith and that they worship him, knowing that he can do anything. Faith in God is the only one who could deliver and worship of his holy name because he's worthy. I don't think every military venture's path for victory is the same as in this story, but I think this applies more often than not in our spiritual battle that we find ourselves in today. That if we would be those who just take the step of faith that God calls us and we worship him along the way no matter what comes against us, the Lord will come through. And it doesn't mean that we won't have hard times. We will, but in those times... Our trust is in the Lord. I love Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. He is the one who helps us. And maybe you are trusting in something other than the Lord. Not, I'm not talking about in salvation, but to, to either get you out or get you through the circumstances that you find yourself in. Trust in the Lord. Trust in him to fight for you. It's his battle. And, and he says we have victory in Jesus. We can have complete faith in him knowing that he will work it in our lives. And victory often comes in our life when we surrender to God's will in faith and worship him. What are you facing in life right now? As we looked at that in, in the context of ministry, what task has God called you to that's too big for you to comp complete on your own? Or maybe you feel like you're being ineffective. And the reality is when God calls us to serve him, we are inadequate to complete the task because the task is spiritual. But God will equip. He's promised to, to equip us. He calls us and equips us for these things and he's gonna bring the fruit and the victory. It's a good place to be in need of the Lord. What temptations haunt you that you can't shake? That you're not finding victory in? What fears consume you that you're not able to overcome on your own? What heartbreak have you experienced, maybe with a bad doctor's report or the passing of a loved one or the loss of a job? Have you been consumed with the attacks of the enemy on your faith? not even just in serving, but coming against you, causing you to question the work of God in your life and the salvation that he's, he's brought to your life. Maybe you're being condemned because you've given into temptation and you're being condemned for your moment of weakness. Now, if you have, come to the Lord and ask forgiveness in faith and he'll restore you. But our response to all of these should be to come to the Lord in faith, knowing that the Lord is, is God above all and that he's with us. He's with you. He makes a way where there is no way. They stood still and the, the people turned against themselves. The, the Lord brought an incredible victory. And when we don't see how it's all going to work out, we, we can have faith in the Lord. And just as, as Jehoshaphat prayed beforehand, remember the character of God. Remember the past battles that we have here in this book that the Lord has won, but also remember the victories that God has brought about in your own life. The sins that you have been delivered from. The change that he's brought about in your life. The new desire and the new man that he has created anew within you. The fruits that have come about your as a result of your faithful service to him because he's been working through you, remember the past battles that he has won because he is with you and has been and will never leave you nor forsake you. And you should walk in constant worship and thanksgiving of the Lord.
When we do this, we refocus our mind upon God and his goodness. And that's a good place to have our mind upon. It's a good thing for us to concern our hearts and our minds with. Our eyes shift from the army and the multitudes that are right in front of us to the Lord. We refocus and we can see with greater clarity our God who is above it all. Isn't it interesting that we, when we find ourselves with the multitude, all we can see usually is the multitude? But the Lord is there and he's with us. And when we, when we come to him in faith and worship him, our circumstances and the armies that stand before us become smaller in his shadow. You know, Judah's faith led them to worship. They knew his character, that he would come through. And you know, I believe that if you have that genuine faith in the Lord, this will be demonstrated by your life lived in worship, especially in the hard times of life. And God didn't promise us an easy life without enemies attacking, did he? But the Lord did promise some other things. He did promise to be with us and to strengthen us. And remember this too, that deliverance does not necessarily look like all of your enemies being wiped out and never having to deal with it again. Because the reality is that we're still going to be in a struggle with the spiritual forces of darkness that Paul talks about in Ephesians until we go to be with the Lord. It's going to be a part of our life. But remember that the deliverance from the Lord is not always the wiping out of all of the enemies it is that at sometimes. Sometimes it is. And sometimes the Lord brings just those unexplainable, incredible victories and deliverances. But many times it's the perseverance to walk well daily in victory through these times of discouragement, through these times of attack. Victory is the daily walk in the sustaining work of God in our life. Sustaining you through them, me through them. It's in these moments where we, we, in a sense, see the multitude slain by the Lord, just day in and day out, even though they come against us. And sometimes it's in the hardest times of life where we see the greatest victories that the Lord brings about for us. You know, we see aspects of God's character that we, we otherwise wouldn't have. And there's some experiences that I've had over the past year, and, I mean, the, the big one, of course, is my mother passing last year, and, you know, it sure would have been awesome to see the Lord just wipe out cancer of her life and deliver her. You know, the Lord, he delivered us from the enemy. My mom's in the presence of the Lord. Her physical body wasn't healed, but in the day in and day out, we experienced the deliverance of God through it. And our, our hope was fixed on him. And even though we didn't see the, the physical outcome that we had hoped for, the spiritual outcome didn't change because the victory is the Lord's. And it was his battle that he fought. Faith in the Lord. You know, I think one of the most amazing things about this account is that the people worshiped the Lord even before they were delivered. They didn't see the end when they decided they were going to worship. You might not see the end of your circumstances, but you can worship. Because the Lord is victorious and he's with you. And, and what amazing comfort and joy comes into our life when we worship the Lord. We might not have seen victory in our circumstances, but we worship the Lord anyway because he's worthy. And it is true. Uh, worship team, you can come forward. I'm going to close here. It is true that the greatest victory that we have is in Jesus Christ. Victory over sin and death, 
enemies that we are powerless to overcome. But the Lord has said, I have defeated them, and if you trust in me, because of my work, you'll overcome. Because of my righteousness, you will stand. Because of my righteousness, you will enter into an eternal relationship with the hope of glory. This is the victory that we have in Jesus. The Lord has spoken and said that he's overcome our sin. He's done this on the cross. And, and furthermore, not only providing that sacrifice that we needed because of the, the sin in our life that we can't deliver ourselves from, he rose from the grave. He defeated death. And we have the hope of eternal life through him. And the word says, all who would call upon his name will be delivered, will be saved from the, the death that comes as a result of sin. And I just want to say, if you have not put your faith in Jesus, you are powerless to overcome sin in the grave by your own good works. Eternal death, separation from God, that is the judgment to come. But thank the Lord that if we call upon his name and if we confess our sin, if we believe in him that he died for you and rose again, you will be saved and see the salvation of the Lord in your life. What amazing deliverance we have in Jesus. The battle we could have never won on our own has been secured and he will deliver. There's a future battle that's coming where all of the nations will gather not only against Israel, but against Jesus himself. And he will speak a word and just, just completely destroy them and usher in his kingdom and we'll be there with him and we'll be with him for eternity. This is the hope that we have when we place our faith in Jesus. If you haven't done that, do that tonight. Call upon his name. Ask him to save you. I want to read to you a quote. I can't remember who this is from. It might be Spurgeon. I really like Spurgeon. But um, he says this, and we'll close with the time to pray and just respond to the Lord. He says, oh, when you know the Lord means to deliver you, bow your head and just give him the quiet deep, solemn worship of your spirit. Let's take a moment here before the Lord and do that.